I went on a, an abortion, the last big abortion rights demonstration I went to, one of the last ones before 1973. There was a priest there holding up a picture of a mangled fetus. And he had this little beatific smile on his face. And I screamed so loud, I couldn't believe it. So a lot of people heard me. Look at the smile on his face. He must have just got sucked off by the altar boy. Well, everyone was clapping because, you know, that's always behind their moral stance is the picture of them abusing children. So I think we have advantages, but we have to get galvanized because we've just been struck and therefore are only now preparing to strike back. And I think we will succeed, but it will take taking to the streets and unity of all the people who are struck, which are so many, whether it's with working conditions or racism or sex discrimination or living in an unlivable climate or gay rights being next on the chopping block that there is a huge agenda of and a huge group of people who need time to galvanize but then will win i i really believe it i agree with that i uh, yeah i yeah i think we're going to i think we're going to be victorious on this stuff it's going to be a long slog there's going to be a lot of um struggle in the states but i think this you know the prediction that that half the states are going to be able to outlaw abortion. I think that's wrong. I think what they're going to find out is that it's much harder for them to to pass these laws than they than they think it is. Um, and one of the things that we're doing is uh, that I think is kind of important is we think that openly breaking the law is is much more effective. I mean, we had a hundred years of illegal abortion and it didn't change the laws at all. It wasn't until we made it a public issue. So, so in my group, we're 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 talking about how to, what's the best way to break the law and whatnot. And we have a pledge, aidandabetabortion.org, which you can uh, sign up and and, uh, and sign on to our pledge. It gives a bunch of different ways that you can help people get abortions. But it also, um, also our idea is it's public. We are going to say that we are not bound by these laws. And this started in Florida, which is one of the battleground states and is going to be a battleground um, because we right now have a, a Florida Supreme Court that very much like the U.S. Supreme Court used to say that abortion was legal in Florida, and now we expect it's going to reverse itself. So, so we're 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 facing that fight right now. We also have a 15-week ban which has been put into effect. So, um, so but our we went from just a Florida-wide pledge to a national pledge. As soon as the um, as the abortion decision was leaked, so I urge you to go there um, and sign up. Aidenabetabortion.org. Um, also, Shout Your Abortion is doing terrific stuff around the abortion pill, um, and as I say, PlanCPills.org. Very highly recommend um, tooling around their site, taking a look at what they're up to, and then signing up for one of their trainings. Um, they're they're very good, and then. The abortion funds actually have been planning. Uh, they they knew this was coming five years down the line. So they they have been abortion funds have been very much planning for this moment. And so the national network of abortion funds and all the abortion funds within that um, 
have been doing a lot of organizing and grassroots trainings and uh, preparing for this moment. So, so there's there's a lot of like practical stuff that can be done in terms of in terms of publicly breaking the law and making making this an issue that um, that really they you know they they won't be able to arrest all of us. So I think that's that's a really important thing for us to start thinking about and how do we defend people that they do arrest. Um, so uh, so I urge everybody to to uh, get involved in some some aspect of this um, because I think I think we really do have a chance to um, to you know just actually make a significant difference and build a movement that can win all the things that Harry had just mentioned. And ultimately it's that, um, you know, reading the book, uh, the history of it, it's exactly that it's the whole, everyone getting together to fight this stuff is the, is the only thing that changes the law anyway. It's not like the law is made and then happy days. It's like, you have to, you have to push for right. it. Right. Exactly. No, it's, it's that, is the hope, and it looks like it may happen. Right now, unions are happening like never before, and women are starting to organize against this latest shocking onslaught of our, against our reproductive rights. And so, and Black people came alive with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, and gay people are alarmed enough to join us because they're they may be next on the chopping block. And so that we have a chance, but we do have to organize as Jenny. That's one of the wonderful parts of this book. I don't have it in front of me because I wanted to loan it to my daughter as soon as I got it. But it's an amazing book and it'll help galvanize this, which is desperately needed. One of the aspects of with medical um not surgical abortion, but like, you know, the abortion pill becoming more of an option. The surgical option is, you know, people don't need to depend on it as much, right? So on one hand, that's positive. Um, on the other hand, it it is one of those things where like, you know, abortion laws don't impact just abortion. It impacts medical care of women and women facing miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies and those kinds of things, right? And it is still really important to protect providers to be able Absolutely. to provide those services. And, you know, and... I was just, you know, thinking about, you know, has there been any kind of strategy or ideas in terms of um, protecting providers through, you know, pressuring DAs to not prosecute or, you know, pressuring um, state licensing boards to, you know, not threaten to delicense <laughs> providers, um, things like that. Yeah, well, um, I know that both Nashville and Memphis in in Tennessee, which uh, has um, you know has a trigger law, um, they they said they would deprioritize any kind of prosecution. But it's very difficult, I think, for clinics to operate with all of the different regulations that they're they're faced with, including the the licensing on all different levels. To operate in a state where abortion is illegal. Now you can operate a birth control clinic, but uh, but to provide abortions in a state where it's illegal, that has really not 
I don't know of any cases. I might be wrong because things are happening fast, but I don't know of any, any cases where clinics have just said, we're going to continue providing abortions um, against the law. Most of them have uh, have said, okay, we're going to stop providing abortions, but um, a couple have moved across the border if they're near a border where there's an illegal state and a legal state, like, um, you know, moving from Bristol, uh, Bristol, Tennessee to Bristol, Virginia, you know, the same town, but is kind of across a border or uh, moving from North Dakota to Minnesota. Um, so... So some clinics are are doing that um, in terms of pro- but in terms of protecting uh, protecting the 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 right to uh, procedural abortions or surgical abortions, absolutely. I mean that's the thing that is is being is being most cracked down on by these laws and. And it is, you know, it's going to result in a lot of horrible things. But the main horrible thing result is that people can't get the abortions that they want, right? I mean, like uh, pill abortions, okay, some people prefer them. But, you know, abortion is a five-minute procedure when it's done as a procedure. Like pill abortions, you have to sit around and bleed for a couple of days and cramps and it's unpleasant. So, like, I know people have had abortions both, both ways and um and some of them prefer one and some of them prefer the other but right. um i mean i would be the one that would prefer surgical any day of, right. of the week you know right. personally so, so i am sad to you know i i would not want that right. option to go away definitely so so that absolutely needs to be defended but of course in situations where those clinics are are being shut down and are not able to operate um, then you have then people are dropping back to this, but we should not say, oh, this is okay. Um, you know, this is okay that this type of that that procedural abortion or surgical abortions are not available. That's that's not at all okay. And sometimes you do need a procedural abortion to right. The, the, I mean, you know, because the, the, the you know, your pill fells. You know, it is right. not foolproof as with any medication. There there are failure rates. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, it's just, I, I know that I have seen some concerns among like, you know, emergency care providers as to like, you know, what do we do when somebody, you know, comes in for miscarriage, right? Because again, like abortion laws do not stop that abortion, but, um, impact. Right. But the problem is that then, then doctors are scared to provide the, the standard of care that is the, would standardly be provided because they're afraid of getting arrested by these crazy DAs who are, you know, pandering to the right. So, so that, and then people don't get the care that they need. And, and that, that happened in Ireland. It's going to happen in these states. We're already seeing situations like that. So, um, so, but of course we can't fall back on, oh, that, you know, just in these terrible cases where there's, there's some kind of health issue, we have to say, no, it has to be, the, the person who's pregnant is the one who has to be able to decide. We, we can't make it, we can't make it like, oh, well, let's make them a little less bad. The law is a little less bad so that 10 years year old rape victims can get get abortions uh, but yeah, then no 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 forget, I mean, I, right. you know I, I, I'm more and i of, think there's a day de- i i know you're not but i think the like 
the liberals have always dropped back to that. If you let them, they will start to drop back to this kind of like rape, incest, life of the mother, health of the mother stuff. And so we have to we have to always say not just about the 10 year old rape victim, but what about the 35 year old? you know, graphic designer or the 18-year-old, you know, harpsichordist or, you know, I mean, it's like, you know. the waitress down the street, right? No, I mean, I was just wondering if there were any kind of, like, legal defense funds that doctors could potentially... Yes, okay, so... and also yes. just kind of because, you know, one of the major concerns that I saw doctors topic talking among themselves is like, like, you know, how does this impact their license? Because if they're delicensed, they can no longer practice. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars of, you know, student loans that they usually still owe. Right. And also they yeah. dedicated themselves to doing that as a as a as a profession, as a healing profession, and then they're blocked from it. It's almost it's a worse threat, I think, than being jailed. Right. Because basically you're you're locked out of what you've dedicated your life up to then to do. So if when how the uh, lawyering for reproductive justice um, does a lot of this kind of work. The ACLU also has has um, sued on behalf of lawyers, and then uh, Center for Reproductive Rights also does a lot of this kind of work. But if, when, how, I think is the is the one that does the most around some of these issues, like like individual cases as opposed to class action suits. So, um, so uh, the name of the group is if, when, how, lawyering for reproductive justice. So that so. And they primarily help uh, people who are getting busted for getting getting abortions or for whatever their pregnancy outcome is. Because often, having a miscarriage, you get arrested, and you're and you're told that, that you you must have done something, and then and then you're charged with it. So so whatever the pregnancy outcome is, nobody should be arrested for their pregnancy outcomes. That's the like the main the main point, and that's how they're um, they're approaching it. Um, so yes. And then the other thing is that there, when in December, 2020, we won a big victory, um, in the food and drug administration's rules around the abortion pill. So it used to be that you had to have a physician hand you this pill, which you then, you have the abortion at home. So there's no reason for this to to be. So with the telemedicine rules around COVID, and then they they loosened that up. So now you can basically order them online if abortion is legal in your state. And one of the groups that set up uh, set this up is called abortionondemand.org, abortionondemand.org. And they're, um, they charge, I think it's $230 for, for the whole process, and they'll overnight you the pills. But then the other thing is that they give any profits to, back to the independent clinics. So it's not un- the idea being that it doesn't undercut um, the uh, the it doesn't undercut the the um, uh, clinics by the local clinics by you know sort of taking away their business. So um, so that's one way that I think. Um, I, I think it's kind of been organized to support local clinics. So abortionondemand.org, if you want to order pills online or, you know, somebody who needs to order pills online and you can get them 
from there um, if you're in a legal state. And then, of course, you could get them and have them in advance if somebody in an illegal state needed your help, then you could possibly provide that help because you have the pills on hand. So like advanced provision is one of the things that is starting to be discussed. The other thing is that we need to fight to get the abortion pill to be an over-the-counter drug. And this, there are already several studies that it would be fine. People know how to use it. It's not a problem. It's safe. Um, it's just as safe as if you go to a clinic and get it. Um, and uh there are new studies being conducted right now to make sure that they've done label studies, but they don't. They haven't done very many real use studies, so they're doing real use studies now. Um, so very soon we'll have enough data to say, look, it's been proven that this is this is safe for over the counter, and you should put it over the counter. And we were able to get the morning after pill over the counter after a ten year struggle. So it may well be that with this crisis created by the Supreme Court, we will be able to push the FDA, assuming we don't get, you know, a right-wing government that then that then appoints another FDA director. But if we maintain um, a sort of a reasonable FDA hierarchy, they, that, that we would be able to win that. That's a little bit longer-term strategy, but I think having it over-the-counter would be very significant um, opening up and, make it, and making it much more easily available to people for a much lower price. Right. Yeah, and for total privacy as well. Yes, yeah, very important. That, yeah. that would be, that's definitely an important factor. And the other thing is, like, you can use the abortion pill as soon as you know you're pregnant. You don't have to wait um, and some clinics want you to wait until, you know, a, a certain period before you can get an abortion. But if, if it was over the counter, you could just, you could just do it right away. And it's, you know, first of all, you spend less time being pregnant, which is unpleasant. The first trimester is very, you know, a lot of people are nauseous all the time. And then the other thing is that it's, it's the, it, it's less crampy the earlier you have the abortion. And so, so there's a lot of reasons to just get it over with. And all of the FDA obstacles have been, have, have, are, are standing in the way of that. So, you know, all these, all these uh, right-wingers that say, oh, oh, well, we just, we're just against late abortions. Well, you're making these abortions quote unquote late, later, by by uh, by putting in all these laws and you know and then the cost where you have to raise the money before you can go get the abortion so you know if they really cared about that they would they would make it make the pill available over the counter which of course they don't really care about no, that cause, no because they don't really care about that they care about uh, getting us to have babies right and to control having us under control. Yeah, there's there's a very good book called uh, War, uh, Love and War by Tom Digby, and um, I have tried to get him on the program, but um, <laughs> maybe it will happen one day. He he has responded to emails, but kind of sporadically. But it's very much like exactly along those lines that it's yeah. about that you know military cultures require you know a certain amount of the population uh, for for fighting, and you know you create these roles, um, these sort of stereotypical roles for men and women 
um you know the guy the guy goes off to fight and the woman's supposed to stay home and make more soldiers without the man that's pretty tricky yeah yeah you know you know make sure <laughs> make the babies first <laughs> then fuck off to war you know we've got yes. some more soldiers in in yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting yeah. book um but it sort of feeds into exactly everything you're talking about and, and yeah it, the United yeah. States in its dying empire stage is much more militaristic. Yeah, well, you know, this is one of the things that you did mention in the book, like it, if you had uh, free con contraception, you know, quality sex education, the morning after pill, um, you know, free and easy access to abortions and, and universal health care, when you have that as your sort of environment, you know, there's every chance that people are going <clears> to <throat> want to have kids because the environment around them is is um, safer friendly. <laughs> and friendlier. Yeah. yeah and then and then the birth rate stuff sort of takes control of itself. Uh, instead, you have this sort of top down, um, you know, design on how things should be. And it's uh, and it's not pretty. Well, yeah, well, kids are the hope for the future. and. You know, Americans are even getting shorter every year. Not only are we dying sooner and we are having worse and worse maternal death rates, but we're also getting shorter. I mean, it's all down as the empire falls. But, I mean, on the upside, on the upside, you know, ex-empires are not that bad a place to live, like Denmark. You know, I mean, it's been a while since... But another 400 years, it'll probably be great to live in the U.S. <laughs> right. If, we're, if the planet exists, it might be. <laughs> but the other thing about about being the, you know, the end of empire, all of this stuff you're saying is, is, is correct. But you actually do hear in this, in the sort of the, the birth rate, with the question of the birth rate, you do hear people saying, oh, well, you know, we have to go up against China. We have to have lots of babies right. to go up against uh, China. Yeah, sure. You know, um, and uh, Matt Iglesias even wrote a book called A Billion Americans, in which he urges everybody to have lots of babies. But um, now he says, well, you should do that by making it, making it a lot easier and having lots of immigrants and stuff. But his basic underlying uh thesis is that we're in a, a you know a, a competition with china exactly and it, it, that's never he, he never uh sort of questions why why would that be a good thing right but that we're in competition with china and so we have to have uh lots of lots of babies so that we can be a billion americans so we can so we can beat china at its you know its population it, 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 yeah i mean it yeah, so it's it's sort of like uh, even this liberal is sort of saying, well, well, you know, to to regain, we have to regain the U.S. has to regain its uh, its imperial uh, control over the planet, which you know, which is not good for people in the U.S. I mean, look at how much money is being spent on the military that could be spent on the stuff that we need. It's just, you know, being an empire is not good for people inside the empire. It's just a, it's good when it, you're winning. It, it's it messes it messes with our brains. It makes us militaristic. It makes us jingoistic. It's all of these all of these things are are, you know, wrapped up in it and and it causes all kinds of, you know, not to mention the people who are killed in the wars and the people who come back having killed people who are never the same and, and can't live their lives. So, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the whole idea that 
that this is good for ordinary people in the U.S. No, it's good for U.S. corporations. It is not good for us. So I think we need to get we need to get past be you know this whole idea that it, American supremacy is is like good for people in America. It's a terrible idea, and we should we should end it. We should end it. Not to, not to mention all the people that are victimized. It was by always it. psychologically terrible, but economically, the United States was the only empire left standing after World War II, and Americans had prosperity. And now we can't, and that's fine. Let it be the Chinese century. So what? You know. Anyway, I have to go now. Thank you so much. Bye bye, everyone. Thanks. Wonderful to talk. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, no, I mean, I've, you know, the my more recent tack to the reproductive rights has been, you know, a lot of how that has really impacted uh, women who use drugs and criminalization. And some of the reporting laws that doctors have to do, um, some of the arrests and whatnot that's been made. Like, I, you know, a lot of the arrests have been rescinded, you know, but women going to prison for you know drugs especially pregnancy is um is going to be a big trend it's been a big trend you know and and it is one worrying trend that like you know liberals do not push up against it they tend to support it yeah i mean i'm a big fan of national advocates for pregnant women um you know i I really feel like they do. They have. They were on this back during when this started to happen during the crack epidemic, and have like have really kept kept with it. So um, yeah, they're a good so organization. I'm, you know, they're a good organization. Yeah, I'm a big and and they're and they have you know and are going to be you know probably overwhelmed with. Uh, with stuff now because of course it's going to get worse and worse because all all these laws that they didn't used to be able to enforce suddenly they're they're going to be able to enforce them because the you know the laws have changed and everything so but this whole idea that pregnancy uh, you, you can't you should not be prosecuted for your pregnancy outcome no matter what that i think is a law as the right line that they have um you know and that's whether it's drugs or something you ate or something a pill you took or whatever it is um, or not, or not, or nothing, or you did nothing, you know, whatever the reason that they're trying to, um, zap you, that just should not be criminal. Uh, I mean, whole swaths of this, the stuff that weren't criminal are now becoming, going to become criminal. And what we really need to do is make whole swaths of things that are criminal into stuff that isn't. Um, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, you know, there's already kind of a lot of um, questions around like pregnant women around chemotherapy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and pregnant uh, or and just, you know, prescriptions of certain medications like, you know, autoimmune disorders. Um, methotrexate is a very, very common and life saving medication for people with lupus, et cetera. And, you know, a couple of people have reported that, you know, their doctors are no longer comfortable prescribing it to, um, you know, childbearing age women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So these are kind of, you know, so that's one of the aspects of, you know, not trying to, like, educate people towards, you know, like, you know, all these minor reforms, but to let them know that these, you know, these laws don't just impact women 
um, that want to get an elective abortion. Right. That these are laws that you know have broad consequences to pregnancy. I mean, especially you know the, some of the hypocrisy around a lot of abortion laws is the fact that, like, I think Texas just recently um, shortened or cut funds for women's postnatal care. Right. Right. I mean, you know, Texas is just... <laughs> well, it, well, I mean, that's the whole thing of, like, personal responsibility, right? Is that, like, these, you know, your medical care and, you know, your child raising and all these things are supposed to be part of your personal responsibility and that people are magically supposed to Meaning be... Meaning you have to pay for it. You have to come yes. up with the money to pay for it. I mean, Which yeah. Which people don't, yeah. right? Which people won't and can't, you know? And, and so it's one of those things where these are probably going to greatly, you know, um, impact, you know, the health of both the mother and, you know, baby. And I don't, you know, there there is kind of a unproductive, irrational sense to all this. In that you are well, kind of I, you, yeah. I mean, usually, if you look at the basic, is is does it make working class life more miserable and make you more dependent on your employer? If the answer is yes, then they'll probably do it. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. I mean, that that is ultimately, you know, but it doesn't necessarily make you dependent on your employer as much as getting you fired from your employer. Right. Well, that's the other part. <laughs> you know, that was one of the things of like, you know, you don't have these. You know, I mean, most employers require doctor's notes for any kind of extended absence. Right. Yeah. And in yeah. right to work states, you know, even that isn't really protective at all. You know, so so it's just kind of, you know, all these issues of I mean, women make up a significant amount of the workforce. You know, yeah, I mean, putting, I, putting them out of commission doesn't, you know. Yeah, I mean that that's another that's another big debate is oh we need women right now we can't have them having babies you know uh, in Japan that was a whole debate of like because you, as you know like they it, basically employers were prone to just firing women when they got pregnant. And so then there was this whole, the Supreme Court said, oh, you can't do that. And then, you know, there's been, been this whole debate, right? Um, because because the birth rate is so low, oh, we, you know, well, you know, if you actually allowed women to work and have kids, maybe that would make it make it a little easier. But even even with the law, they're still like forcing women out once they get pregnant. It's just right. really terrible. Right. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. There, there, there is. And that used certain- to be true. That used to be true here too. I mean, the like uh, my my aunt in like 1954. This is a famous story in my family. Um, she was on the unemployment line, and it was it was winter, and she was up in Buffalo, and her she was wearing a big heavy coat, and the wind blew her coat open and revealed that she was pregnant. And they were like, oh, uh, uh, are you pregnant? And okay, so we're cutting off your unemployment insurance because being pregnant meant you weren't eligible to get a job. I mean, this was the way they looked at it. Well, you couldn't get hired. You're pregnant. Um, so clearly you're not looking for work. So clearly you don't, you're not eligible for unemployment. I mean, just, you know, that that whole thing, that's like, that's kind of the whole. Right. Uh, <laughs> so. Right. Anyway. You know, yeah, and it's kind of been interesting how um, Starbucks, 
have said that they would provide transportation costs for non-unionized members. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Which, which, yeah, right, which right. I think it I, that's got to be a violation of the of the national. That's a retaliation for unionization. But um, so it's not only illegal, but it's but but their whole point the the whole thing about those corporations and Amazon, I guess, has said they're going to do that too. Is yes, they they want somebody to have kids, but they don't want their own employees to have kids because then they have to give them time off, you know. <laughs> they don't want to pay for that. Right. They don't want to pay for that. Right. It also just makes people, again, more dependent on the employer for essential services. Right. And, you know, and, and in a lot of European countries, you, it's not depend, you know, it's not something that the employer has a choice on whether they give you time off or not. It's, it's a, by law. And furthermore, they're not paying for it. It's paid by the social security system. So, um, so it's not. They're not constantly trying to trying to um, cut into whether or not you take time off because it's it's no skin off their nose. They're not paying for it, you know. Um, so anyway, all right. Well, it was wonderful to talk to you both and uh, yeah. and to talk to Harriet. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thanks for Thank thanks you for so doing much, it. Ben. It was great.